0: what is up everybody welcome to the week one dfs mvp podcast i'm your host tj hernandez the director of dfs at 444.com with my co-hosts john daigle and mr pat crane if you were here last year you know daigle if you missed the preseason show you might be a little surprised by the new face mr pat crane but you probably know him he's the founder of legendary upside he is the co-host of ship chasing formerly of nbc sports and most famously, the winner of Best Ball Mania 3. Uh, if you guys are regular podcast listeners, probably notice it's a little early this week. That's because Daigle and Crane are going to be crushing souls in Vegas. Got a few more uh, high stakes uh, um, things to take care of this week. So we're on Wednesday uh, for the rest of the year. We will be on Friday back at our normal time. Uh, but it's week one, so everything's a little crazy. Crane, um, what's up, buddy? Before we get into it, uh, tell us a little bit about Legendary Upside and what you guys got going on over there. You're on mute, Corrine.
1: Oh, look at that. Um,
0: It's week one. It's week one. That's a good debut.
1: It's it's week one. Roaring stuff. Yeah. Legendary Upside. I have a bunch of uh, preseason content, including uh, the legendary running back scenarios, if you're still drafting. Uh, Definitely good to look at that. And I'll be doing a preview column. Uh, The first one will come out next week, uh, doing a game-by-game preview of of, um, the NFL Sunday and Monday and diving into basically what I think will happen. So I think very useful for a DFS perspective, although it's not like purely a DFS uh, article.
0: Yeah, those game previews, uh, we will probably talk be talking about a lot here every single week. As I mentioned, we're a little early this week, um, but next week we'll have uh, a full slate of games under our belt, have a uh, 2023 data to talk about. So we'll definitely be touching on those. Uh, Daigle, how are you doing this week, bud? Doing well. Uh, We will have all our articles, as you mentioned last week, on the site
2: for everyone by Saturday morning. Given my schedule, I may make you wake up Friday morning and uh, at least put the (laughs) the rough draft out there for everyone, and then I'll update it after a few martinis Saturday morning. So we'll see how everything goes, but
0: we'll have everything. Listen – um, anybody ever telling me an article is going to be an early, early article is, um, music to my editor's ears. So, uh, I, I love to hear that, uh, as you guys, uh, if you guys have been listening to DFS MVP before, um, you know, it's always been a two man show, uh, with Corain, with his game by game knowledge. Uh, we're going to try a little bit of a different format this year. We'll be going way more in deep to the games, um, just to the slate in general, giving you guys. Uh, Cash game spins, large field GPP spins, small field GPP spins, everything we could fit into this show. And speaking of GPPs, one of the big announcements this week is 444 has partnered up with The Solver. A lot of people have been asking us uh, for a lot of upgrades on the lineup generator 4 for 4 especially large field tournament players or small field tournament players and rather than uh, trying to reinvent the wheel we partnered up with one of the best i think is the best lineup optimizer in the game so if you are a 4 for 4 dfs or betting uh, sub you have the option to upgrade to the solver we will still have the option for the basic lineup generator on 4 for 4 but if you want all those advanced features advanced tools managing your exposure all of that great stuff that you could do uh, for a GPP lineup generator, you will have the option to upgrade to that. And if you haven't got a DFS or betting subscription yet, Use the promo code YouTube to save 25% at 444.com slash plans. Link to both of those options, both the solver and to sign up for 444 are in the YouTube description. So make sure you get signed up for that. Uh, Lots of cool stuff coming with the solver. They're working on some SIM stuff uh, as we speak too. So that should be really exciting. Uh, But let's get right into it. Um, We won't go through every game today, but we will go over the biggest games. We have a couple potential shootouts. Uh, We have a few teams with some very, uh, not very high totals. Actually, it's a pretty low total slate, but relatively high totals. Um, And then we will talk about uh, any games that we missed and just some, some general thoughts on the slate before we get into our player picks. But let's start with the most likely potential shootout on the main slate Dolphins are at the Chargers. Chargers favored by three, 51 point, uh, over. The only game on the main slate with a over-under of at least 50 points. Uh, Chargers with a 27-point implied total. Dolphins with a 24-point implied total. This is a late kickoff, the latest kickoff, so it's always interesting to have um, the shootout of the week in the latest window for 25 p.m. kickoff. Um, Daigle, because of um, this high over compared to the rest of the slate. This game probably carries the most ownership, but it also is a game that is probably going to take up a lot of salaries. So uh, just talk about your angles on this game and and your early thoughts on it.
2: A fun game, not only because it's where a lot of people are going to have their bags packed in tournaments, but I think it's really interesting because I, I think I'll probably be one of the few pouring a little cold water on it. Uh, remember last year, Justin Herbert, or the last two years, 25th and 36th and depth of target. And I understand the reports coming out of camp or that Kellen Moore is now having them throw deep. My issue is that depth of target has never been an offensive coordinator thing. It's never been a quarterback thing. It's usually just been the players, the quarterback sees when they look up depth of target is a wide receiver stat and nothing changed over the offseason. Quentin Johnson was one of the nation's worst deep ball and contested catch targets. Uh, he is big Brandon Ayuk. He averaged 8.9 yards after the catch per reception in college for a reason because they dumped the ball off to him underneath or over the middle of the field, and he gets yards after the catch. And that's the only change with this offense, that we don't even know how much he's going to play um, given that Josh Palmer, and I believe this report, is working ahead of him in three wide sets. Not to mention that at TCU, Quentin Johnson ran 90% of his routes from the boundary, in the preseason, he ran 93% of his routes from the boundary. He doesn't come in and, like, take away from Keenan Allen, nor does he take away from Mike Williams. In three wide sets, he'd be on the outside. And so I think that's where Josh Palmer probably earns, like a BC Johnson over Justin Jefferson in 2020, uh, that first, like, three or four-game runway until they finally say, you got first-round capital, you get in here instead. On the other side of the ball, though, remember, Josh Boyer, defensive coordinator for the Dolphins last year, blitzed to the league's third-highest rate. Now we have Vic Fangio. It's an entirely different defense. Fangio is basically the reason why football became less fun to watch. He practically invented two high safeties, which limits big plays and thus limits explosiveness on offenses. So, I understand like the talent on both sides of the ball. It's going to get steamed a lot, but honestly, there's enough nuance on both sides to where. I maybe go skinny stack or pick my, pick my targets. Austin Eckler, as I mentioned, because of this too high safety defense that I think big Fangio will be able to limit the Chargers offense with um, instead of going all the way in.
0: Yeah, we have um, two really um, different teams just from a DFS perspective. I, I think we're really going to be able to um, understand where the ownership's going because Miami is so concentrated between Tyreek and Waddle, whereas the Chargers, their passing game can be very spread out, but they have arguably the best overall running back play on the slate, also the highest price running back on the slate. Uh, so those are the the players that are easy to go to in terms of projection, but it also sets up um, maybe some pretty obvious pivots. So Pat, thoughts on this game, thoughts on some possible uh, pivots off of what should be the chalky uh, plays in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I when pricing first came out, you know, a month or so ago, and I was going to to look and see what was fun. This is immediately where I went. I was like, you know, God, it's tough. Do I play this through Herbert or do I play it through Tua? You know, that was the real decision point. But I think that's it's such an obvious game for people to go to, Uh, and I agree. It's it's very easy to you know feel comfortable with you know playing it from the Miami side. Um, You've got Eckler. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's sort of obvious to see where people are going to go with it. If you're going to fade one of these really exciting game environments, and I do think it's an exciting game environment. I think it's a very fun game environment. You know, you you, you want a clear way way for it to fail. And the Chargers were kind of the team last year that like figured out the Miami stuff. So I don't know, you know, McDaniels had a whole offseason to try to come up with a counterpunch. But if Miami's not who we're hoping this year, like this would be a game that would tell us that. So, you know, it's, it's definitely plausible that this game just isn't quite as fun as as we're hoping. I think a lot of what Daigle said as well about the Miami side of this uh, matters as well. So if I'm going to play pieces of this game, I want to make sure they're a little less popular. Um, Mostert jumps out to me as a, as a potential pivot.
0: Yeah. I love Mostert chargers. Um, for the last few years have kind of been that classic run funnel defense. Um, obviously, uh things do change on defense year to year. Uh, but that does stand out. Um, another thing, I mean, really early in the offseason, I, I write these regression articles. Um, the two players that really stood out in the passing game were Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa. Um, Tua Uh, Had a insanely high touchdown rate last year. Obviously Waddle and um, Tyreek are his main targets there. They both also uh, really scored even above their own expected mean, whereas Justin Herbert is way below expectation. So if we see early regression as we expect, or at least as I expect, uh, maybe things are flipped on their head a little bit there. Uh, You guys kind of covered uh, the other points I was thinking about in terms of Herbert with his apparently higher a dot uh johnson versus palmer i agree with daigle there that that palmer probably plays a little bit more i I think the one interesting thing that we never just found last year is like, does Miami have a third option? Last year it was like, Oh, he's going to be, uh, you know, he's this basically a wide receiver that never came to fruition. Now, is it like Bra- Braxton burials? Just like all of a sudden getting these random 10 targets and, and being a PPR, um, guy, I, I don't know if that happens. My intuition would be that it just still stays super concentrated between the two, uh, receivers and, and the running backs get a little bit more involved this year.
2: And when Tua was on the field, Tyreek Hill dominated Waddle in targets. It was not 1A, 1B. It was Tyreek freaking Hill. 32.5% target share to Waddle's 22.7%. So again, I could see myself squeezing in because the overall thesis of this slate is that you can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, There are so many concentrated prices at minimum salary at different positions that you can really afford to spend up. So I could see myself going Tyreek Eckler And given that, at least for this week, it may change in week two, but at least for this week, I'm going to be a little bit friendlier to myself. Maybe it's also because I'm going to therapy. But I'm being a little friendlier to myself and allowing myself more allocated salary given that the plays are are going to be overused and over-rostered because they're good plays, because they are mispriced. That's okay. I don't mind eating that salary, at least for week one where we concentrate on players. And that includes Tyreek Hill and Austin Eckler together.
0: Yeah, that was kind of the point I was going to make, whether it be Hill and Eckler or Hill and Waddle. I think people, when they do start building again, we're recording this on Wednesday when people start building Friday, Saturday night, uh, early Sunday morning, they're going to realize how easy it is to either double the dolphins or play Tyreek and Eckler together. And I think ownership probably gets like, like I I think tomorrow when I do my first runner projections, it'll be moderate because it's week one and we're still trying to figure out what the temperature of the community is. I think by Sunday when people realize how easy it is to build these lineups that it's going to be like Tyreek approaching like 30% or something like that. Um, only one other game on the uh, slate has a game total of at least 47 points. That's Bengals at the Browns uh, Bengals favored by two and a half, a uh, 25 point team total, 22 and a half point team total for the Browns. This is an early game crane. Uh, as I mentioned, this is uh, the only other game with a, not even a total over 47, a total over 46. This is a huge slate. So, when we have these, these really big slates and, and two games that are obviously supposed to score a lot more than the rest, um, how concentrated do you typically find yourself on just two games like this and the two players that are really popping in this game in terms of value are Joe Mixon and Jamar chase. Um, do you see yourself getting away from those guys or are they chalk because the offense should just really concentrate on, uh, the Bengals obvious players?
1: yeah i don't think i'll get completely away from you know both of these games i i want to i want to be involved in this game um i like Mixon and chase uh i think you know just from burrow you know dealing with this calf injury the, the dump down angle to mixon could be interesting i'm also kind of curious like does he get played more on third downs does he get used a little bit more as a receiver? Um, I'm not really drafting like that in, in my preseason stuff, but I certainly think it's possible. And, you know, with the calf injury, this would be like maybe one of his better receiving opportunities of the, of the season. So if he's going to have a bigger role over the course of the year, I think we would see it right away. Um, and then from the other side, like if the Browns are going to take a step forward and Watson's going to be, you know, what we thought he, he was, or what he used to be, then, we would we would find out this week, I think. So I'm kind of intrigued by Brown stuff with Bengals brain backs. Like if I if I'm doing a, a Browns double with Mixon coming back, or Brown's double with Chase. Um, and I think there's a there's like three options that you have on the Brown side as pass catchers. Um, I mean, you could really even say four options, because I think uh, DPJ, Elijah Moore, and Joku and Amari Cooper all look kind of interesting. So I think there's a few different ways you could play this from the Brown side, a couple of different, really strong bring back options. And I don't know that's going to catch, you know, the same level of chalk as as the uh, Chargers dolphins game. So it's kind of an interesting pivot in what could be a really high scoring game.
0: Yeah. I I do think despite the second highest total game total on the slate, I I do think it could get overshadowed because there are a few teams that have higher team totals in the Bengals. And obviously if we're talking about shootout games, um, Dolphins Chargers is the bigger one. Dagle, this game when I, I first saw it, I was a little surprised by the spread. I thought Bengals would be favored by a little bit more. Uh, what what are we seeing that might suggest that this game is is close? That maybe the Browns are better than expected? Is it the passing game? Um, is it just uh, the Nick Chubb show? Uh, are we overlooking? Corrine uh, mentioned DPJ and you know the the Browns being a little bit deeper on passing offense than we thought um how are you looking at this thing
2: I just like games and situations where if it goes right also the target tree is honed in and that's what I love about this situation where one if it goes right for Deshaun Watson he already averaged I know it was bad results but the sixth most carries per game among all running backs or eighth most carries per game among all quarterbacks last year uh six per game And the results weren't there, obviously. Career low touchdown rate, uh, roughly two fewer yards per attempt than he averaged with the Texans. And it was the first time in his career that he averaged less than 20 fantasy points per game, and he averaged 14.3. All those stats were so wonky that I can easily just throw them out and say, let's bet on it all coming back, and let's be bullish on this offense. And if that's the case, we get a rushing quarterback who, I know, Coraine, you mentioned quite a few players, but for game strategy purposes – Elijah Moore at 3,800 in particular on DraftKings is the one, only one checking in around roughly 20%. It's only Wednesday. It could change. But I think that tells me I'd much rather whittle it down to Amari Cooper and David Njoku. Amari Cooper, who still led the team in targets last year from Watson. Again, the results weren't there, but the opportunity was there. And then David Njoku, everyone remembers George Kittle ending lives with those five receiving scores over the last month of the season. But – Njoku and Kidder were the only two tight ends to see 40% of their team's red zone targets in that span. So when Joku was getting targets where it matters most. Um, so I think we can easily double stack those two guys with Watson if it all goes well. Not to mention, we don't expect Elijah Moore to play primarily in two wide sets, at least to start the year, given DPJ doesn't play the slot at all. So we can just take him off the field at 20% ownership too. Then you go to the other side of the ball and even more whittled down target tree than last year. If Chase and T. Higgins hit, if we have a rushing quarterback in Watson, I really don't feel like I need Burrow. Like, I just feel like if Chase and Higgins hit, all of them get there. And I can still take the rushing quarterback. Uh, even Hayden Hurst. Like, say what you want about him. Before his concussion in the second half of the season or his ankle injury, he was averaging five and a half targets per game. And now we have to remove that for Irv Smith, who I know the depth chart says 24 years old, but his knee is 44 years old. It doesn't matter. So I, I just like the fact that we already have – this game whittled down to six ceiling players and we can just parse them together. So it's a situation I
1: love.
0: Yeah, we kind of have a a bit of a cluster in like the 65 to 6800 range at running back um, with Mixon Dobbins and Alexander Madison. But um, as far as like models are going, it looks like Mixon is popping the most. So if Mixon ends up being like I don't know, like a 15 to 20% ownership guy. And we get Chubb on the other side at sub 10%. I think that's going to be a super interesting pivot um, on that side. Obviously, Chubb way more expensive, probably going to get caught a little bit in no man's land um, with him being basically the same price as Eckler. So Chubb could be a very interesting um, contrarian play in this game, uh, again, depending on how ownership um, shakes out. One, one reason I think this game – can get overlooked quite a bit, not just because of the the Dolphins game, but it's going off at the same time as the Ravens. Ravens have one of the higher team totals on the slate, favored by 10. Uh, Before we got on here, Daigle, you were asking me about Lamar possibly being the cash game quarterback. Uh, We'll get into a little bit more a bit later, but uh, that question alone makes us think that Lamar himself will be quite popular. Uh, If he is someone that we're using in tournaments, We can pretty easily, assuming the Andrews injury isn't anything to worry about, Andrews is the obvious stack option, but that's also a very expensive stack. Uh, The big question with the Ravens is this ambiguous wide receiver core. Is there anybody in week one between Bateman, um, OBJ and Zay Flowers that stand out to you to pair with um, uh, Lamar?
2: I don't know the extent of how often Zay Flowers will play in two wide sets, but honestly, given that even in the preseason they were giving him concerted targets, I think he's the one I trust the most right now. We didn't see much, if any, of Odell Beckham. um, Rashad Bateman, of course, we haven't seen much at all in the last two years, and so it just seems like a situation where they roll out the red carpet and get Flowers involved early on. That's where I go, but Karane, do you have any other – pivot thoughts because it's obviously an offense everyone's going to lean on and then tj uh we can talk about jk dobbins too
1: i I, my general feeling is that people have been sleeping on bateman who you know is supposed to be healthy uh you know he said he feels back to normal he had the screw removed early in training camp it meant he didn't really get any playing time throughout the process um and so I don't know. I, if I was going to do like something like really large field, he is, he's a little interesting to me, but he's the most expensive of the three wide receivers. And it's a, I get that it feels like a shot in the dark. So I, he won't be a part of anything I'm trying to do um, in kind of the, the normal smaller field stuff. And I have plenty of exposure in my season log stuff. So I, I don't feel the need to force that. I guess generally like I don't love this spot for the Ravens, especially if people are going to be on it. Um, I'm really excited about the Ravens this year, but I think given the matchup with the Texans who aren't, I don't think, going to push them, right? And it could be, you know, they, they score some points through the air, but it's, it's spread out. And then they go to the running game and maybe we um, can just kind of use this as like an information gathering week on the Ravens if the field is going to be all over Lamar.
2: Right tackle Titus Howard and starting center Drew Scruggs for the Texans as well are on injured reserve. That's another huge concern here is that I keep trying to figure out, like, how do we run it back? How do we get pushback for the Ravens? And, like, I can't get there. I, I can't figure anything out.
0: Yeah, Um. I mean, the thing that stands out to me is that Houston – was the biggest run funnel defense um in the league last year now a lot of that had to do with just people were just rolling them and you know you just you don't have to pass it at some point against this team but it might just be exactly the same this year especially in week one where the ravens are favored by 10 i mean the concern is exactly what coraine said like do the texans even push the ravens and you know i'm not somebody that is often going to say oh well this is going to be a blow because so i'm not playing the passing game because a lot of times the passing game is what gets you to that blowout but this isn't Patrick Mahomes this isn't Josh Allen where you know five touchdowns are going to come for the passing game you know one touchdown might come from Mars legs um, a couple of those touchdowns come from Dobbins and all of a sudden we really are in a situation where this offense needs to be pushed for the passing game to get there so I mean a couple of questions for both of you guys one Dobbins is projecting worse than Madison and mixing it basically the same salary is he the play in this game and two if we are stacking this game, like, how, is there a Texan to bring back? I, I don't see one.
1: I, I, I don't really see a Texan either. Um, I was very optimistic about Nico Collins early in the offseason. It's kind of a late-round dart throw, but he, he got kind of steamed up and best ball stuff, and people, I think, are expecting him to kind of be the clear top wide receiver, but I'm not I'm not sure that he is. Like, I, I think he probably is, but I, I don't really have the confidence – but he, I guess he would be probably the most obvious bring back, but I don't really want to, I don't really want to play any Texans. So yeah, Dobbins and, and get out of there. I think is kind of interesting. Uh, it's going to be tough to project Dobbins accurately. I think like he's, we didn't see any of him. Um, there was this whole holdout or hold in situation that then was resolved. And, you know, obviously he, he didn't look right all last year, even though he was actually pretty efficient, Um So how much work is he going to get? How efficient is he going to be? It's all kind of up in the air. I do kind of like that Gus Edwards seems to have maybe fallen behind Justice Hill, you know, like Justice Hill is a, is going to be a passing down back? He's not, I don't think going to be like eating into Dom's work. So if, if Gus Edwards has fallen out of favor a little bit, maybe that's a good sign for JK Dom's ability to consolidate rushing work.
2: Yeah. my, I just remain so skeptical right now on beat reports because, again, the way players play the game doesn't change just because you get a new offensive coordinator. We've done this too long. Like, I can't believe it's still a storyline. And so when all the reports at a camp are, oh, Todd Munkin's using the running backs, it's like the Ravens haven't, been not passing to running backs because of greg roman it's because lamar jackson like he's not that kind of player just like josh allen uh, the ravens have been bottom four in the league in all four seasons that lamar jackson have played in running back target rate so I, it's one of those situations where maybe it burns me but i think we have enough options here to pay down at running back and around jk dobbins where i don't mind being left behind and again maybe that burns me but i, I really just i don't know yet how i'm going to play it i'm still trying to figure it out on wednesday
0: Yeah, specifically on DK, the answer might just be Ravens defense. Um, Washington is going to get a million percent ownership at sub three K. Ravens, Ravens are (laughs) way up. As we and as we talked about, um, this is one of those slates where you are going to be able to pay for some stuff that you usually wouldn't pay for. We usually aren't paying four K for a defense on DK. If we get a ten point favorite, even if they're fifteen percent owned compared to thirty five or forty percent owned, like sign me up, right?
2: I I listened to our friends, Drew Dinkmeyer and Mike Leone. And Dink, who is literally one of the best DFS players in the game, in the world. uh, That's what he mentioned. That's where he said he thinks DFS is going. Now, like in 2023, we should be saying, looking at the ownership percentage. Not looking and saying, that's low, I want it. But looking at the ownership percentage, whatever it is, and saying, that's off. Like, where should it be? And in this case, that's the perfect way to phrase it, TJ, is Washington's going to be 30 to 40%, if not higher. So even if the Ravens are 20%, and they won't be, but even if they're 20%, where should they be, especially in comparison to a 40% defense? So that's the exact way to look at it.
1: I was worried you were saying that Dink was saying we need to pay up for defense every week. I don't know. 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 That doesn't sound fun.
0: Uh, Shoot, we might have to uh, at some point just to be different. Another big spread, but uh, this one, this one is weird to me. Um, Vikings favored by six, uh, uh team total just under 26 points, 45 and a half point total against the Buccaneers early game. Pat, when I first saw slates come out, I was, you know, I was just looking at these spreads, looking at the projected workload for Madison, looking at what they did in the backfield. And I thought Madison's probably going to be that mid tier running back popping in the models. Um, he isn't. Uh, it's it's Joe Mixon that's popping in all the models at that price range. Last year, the Buccaneers were one of the most obvious uh, pass funnels in the league. Is Madison not popping because this is going to be the Justin Jefferson show and, and maybe Addison's coming out party? Or is this a little bit of a trap game?
1: Yeah, I think this could be a little bit of a trap game. Um, one of the things that I look at is you know pass rate over expected for for the walkthrough when I'm doing the game by game preview stuff. But I also I started last year looking at pass rate over expected, which you know accounts for game situation and then whether teams are passing more or less than you would you would think for you know first and ten long down and distance that type of stuff. But I was also looking at like a team's expected pass rate and then what they were doing relative to expectations because some teams like the Bengals and the Chiefs and the Bills are in. Game situations generally where they're not expected to pass and they pass a ton. But they're they're essentially dictating pass-heavy game scripts to their opponents, right? And then you have some, some teams that are like dictating the run to their opponents like the Eagles last year. Like they were so good. They were like creating run-heavy game environments because they were so good. You have teams like the Falcons and the Bears that are like, we're just going to run and we don't care what the situation is. And then there were teams like the Vikings and the Buccaneers last year who were not generally in good game situations, but were willing to pass and try to keep up with their opponents and and basically kind of you know play to win, even though they weren't all that good. And I'm worried now, like the Bucks, I don't know if that's going to be their philosophy. I think we could see them being much more conservative, much more like the Panthers were last year. You know when they had Baker Mayfield, and it's like and we're the Seahawks, which is you know where their offensive coordinator comes from. So it's a situation where if the Buccaneers aren't going to be pushing the Vikings to the air and the Vikings were largely pushed to the air by other teams last year, you know, I don't know if they're going to want to get into this, this pass heavy game environment. I think they're, they have a lean to the pass, but they're more kind of closer to balanced, I think at baseline. So um, I, yeah, I think Madison is kind of interesting. He's not a guy that I like at all for season long stuff, but it's cause like, I, did, I, I don't think he's that good. And I'm skeptical that he's able to con- like control the backfield for an entire season. But I think he can control the backfield this week, you know. And there could be um, quite a bit of rushing for, for the Vikings to do this week.
2: We are not lockstep in playing Madison. I don't necessarily know how to handle it just yet. But I've been getting bad vibes from the Vikings offense. Like, all they did this offseason— was give T.J. Hawkinson the highest contract ever for a tight end and give Josh Oliver the tight end to $21 million, a three-year deal in free agency. That That almost screams more 12 personnel. And at least in the first couple of games, as Jordan Addison was injured for a lot of the preseason – I don't necessarily mean if that mean know if that means he's going to be in two wide sets. That could still be KJ Osborne at the beginning of the year. So I am pretty lukewarm on Jordan Addison, at least out the gates. Of course, I think he's going to emerge eventually, but right now I think T- Justin Jefferson is as safe as it comes. Um, you know, if if the Bucks score any points, which I also have my doubts about.
0: Yeah, definitely have my doubts about that there too. Um, Like Corrine said, I I do think this is a spot where they could slow it down. I'm on Madison, uh, as we'll talk about a little bit later, but models, both FanDuel and DraftKings, we actually have Rashad White popping as a better value than Madison. Um, I mean, one thing that was very well known at the end of last year that people might have forgotten going into this year is that the Vikings just like ran perfectly pure in one score games, And a lot of that turned into, um, you know, obviously a good record and and better game script than expected. Uh, So that is another reason why, you know, if, if that luck runs out starting this week, um, I could see this being, being the upside of the week. And and if that happens, it's probably in like a 20 to 17 game or something like that.
2: I still like Rashad white too. Uh, I don't know over Madison or trying to figure it out, maybe skinny stacks, but I would take Rashad White over Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, at least we don't think there's any competition. Like the reports, the big reports early right now are Sean Tucker, an undrafted free agent, uh, getting RB two work on early downs. So that's fine. I don't care about Rashad White's early downs. He was bad at that anyway. So uh, we care about a 98% all athlete who, again, you only removed last year playing next to Leonard Fournette, who had an 18.9% target share in college. That's what we care about. So. Uh, I, I still really don't mind taking a chance here thinking there's no competition for Rashad White and playing him at single digit ownership.
0: I yeah, like that I, call too. I like that. Yeah, me too. Prize Picks is North
2: America's largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform and one of the most exciting ways to play DFS. And best of all, Prize Picks is simple. Just choose between two to six players and pick more or less than their prize pick stat projection. It's that easy. And you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. But it doesn't stop there. Prizepix even offers in game projections. Imagine gathering at the house, watching football with all your friends, and building an entry to cheer for together, with more Devonta Smith receiving yards, or less Justin Fields rushing yards. Now you can. Just go to prizepixcom DFSMVP. And use the promo code DFSNVP to match your first deposit up to $100.
0: Price Picks. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. There's only one game, one other team uh, on the entire slate with a team total of at least 25 points. That's the Seahawks favored by five and a half against the Rams. Total of 25.75. Game total only 46 Rams. Uh, without Cooper cup, all of a sudden, um, maybe one of the worst rosters, um, in the league, especially on the defensive side. Like we talked about again, before we hopped on here, Diego, this is a game that we were super excited about a week and a half ago. Um, now with no Cooper cup, um, I mean, what does this game shake out? Like one thing I do like about it, it's the same time as Miami and LA. So there's a lot of late swappability. The tough thing about it, uh, depending on uh, at least from an ease of projection standpoint is we got notice today that Jackson Smith and Jigbo will be active. So that muddies up the target share a little bit, or does it not muddy up the target share?
2: I still think he may be limited at least early Mm. out the gates. Like I'm not counting him as a player in season longs where I'm flexing, or I don't think he'll make an impact in week one. I could be wrong. I, I still would like to consider the target share really honed in more importantly, though, we thought this game could be hot because both Jamal Adams and Devon Devin Witherspoon are out this week. Uh, so we just thought, okay, we can get everyone through the air, but we need Cooper Cup, and now we don't have Cooper Cup. That's why I, I go right back to Kenneth Walker, who's going to be 20% roster, but I may just play him anyhow. I may just throw him right to the Rams because it doesn't seem like a situation where any Rams can make plays here. Uh, we'll probably get Tyler Higbee. It looks like Tutu Atwell will probably be an option for everyone because he's a stoneman on DraftKings, even though he averaged two and a half fewer PPR points per game than Ben Jefferson last year Whenever in the last seven games when they overlapped. Ben Jefferson also only played 16 routes with Matthew Stafford, but he was targeted on five of them. So um, I, I do like the little spend-up corollary uh, on Van Jefferson on DraftKings over Tutu Atwell just to get a little bit of exposure there. But overall, yeah, I, I, I don't know where we get our pushback for Seattle's offense. That's what makes me worried, Kareem.
1: Yeah, I don't see much pushback. I like the Kenneth Walker call quite a bit, um, and yeah, I mean TUTU Atwell would be the guy that I would be most interested in just because of the price. But if everyone's going to go there, I mean, he is like five, six or something, one hundred fifty-five pounds. Well, I mean, let's, like <laughs> just, let's just let just
2: ignore his, even ignore his size. He's TUTU Atwell. How about that? If everyone's going to go there, he's just TUTU Atwell.
1: Yeah, he's TUTU Atwell. So I, I don't think I want to play van jefferson either i mean tyler higby i think is kind of interesting but he's it seems like maybe people are going to be on that a little bit um if if no one wanted to play him i definitely would uh but i mean even like moderate chalk on tyler higby i think i'm looking elsewhere but um yeah i think i think uh walker is the most interesting piece of this game yeah
0: the only thing that sucks about higby is he's in like an awkward salary range on both sides so that's always kind of funky to deal with like uh Mid fives on FanDuel, I believe, and just under 5k on on DraftKings. That's always a weird tight end salary. Um, This is one of those spots where you have to get away from your priors a little bit. I was one of the few um, in the industry that was JSN over Tyler Lockett all offseason and and thought just a ton of three wide receiver sets from Seattle um, with JSN on the team now. When a rookie misses basically half of the preseason, uh, I think you got to pull back on that a little bit. I do think eventually that happens, but I, I agree. Week one, um, if I am touching the receivers, it's it and DK. Probably a little bit of, of growing pains now with uh, with with JSN missing some of the preseason. But uh, no, I mean, no. I agree. Like, go ahead, Grant.
1: Well, I just I was gonna float the Seahawks defense here.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. What I don't even know what they're priced at to be honest.
1: I think 3300 on dk. So oh, that's um, a good that's a good more price on point. dk. Yeah, 3300
0: 500 more. Yeah, that is that is a really really great um pivot. Yeah, we don't really have a lot of like the the defense are appropriately priced on dk really on both sides outside of of the commanders. Um everyone else is more or less appropriately priced. So 3300 is still pretty cheap. Um yeah, that that's a really good call there and like I'm just like team fade chalk men price wide receivers in general uh, so i think like two is about as good as uh um chalk faded as we can get
2: plus there are as we'll talk about in a bit like so many men chalk plays this week uh and the other two i think have very good reason to be played not two.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we will get to those in, in segment part two. Um, those are the obvious games. Those are the games that people are going to be talking about all week. Um, the highest team totals, the highest implied t- totals of the week. Um, Pat, is there another game that that pops to you just uh, for, for any reason at all?
1: Broncos Raiders, I think is pretty interesting because we're going to get, I think, a lot of information on both offenses. Right With the Raiders, it's basically like, how bad is Jimmy G going to be for this, for this uh, offense and for these weapons. Um, And then for the Broncos, I mean, with the bigger question of, you know, can Russell be saved by Sean Payton coming in here? But last year, the Raiders were so bad against the pass. They were just, you could, anyone could pick on them. I actually like am uh, probably lower on Kenny Pickett than, (laughs) than I should be because he didn't take advantage of this matchup late in the season. It's like, I just like every, every quarterback who came up against the Raiders, you, you really had a chance to light them up and I don't think they'll be that much better this year. So uh, this is kind of the spot where if, if Russell Wilson is going to be like meaningfully better than he was last season, I think we'll see it this week. And you know, who knows, maybe he won't be, he's older, his games kind of maybe not suited for the, the too high stuff and and all of that. But if it's going to happen this year, I think I think this week we could get a you know really uh, nice game out of him. I know he's dealing with his receivers dealing with injuries, and that's going to make the the probability lower that that he hits. But it it also I think makes it a little easier to figure out who to play. You know, like you can you can play Sutton, you can play Mims. If if Mims ends up getting real steamy, that's that's going to be disappointing. I think though he's you going can to play.
2: He's gonna be uh he's gonna to be top five yeah. owned player.
1: Okay. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's stone men, stone man yeah, in two yeah.
2: wide sets. Uh, assuming Jerry Judy's out.
1: Yeah. Okay. So that that would actually make it less appealing, but um, I think Devonte Adams is really appealing this game. I I think in l- larger field stuff, I I would be willing to mix in Dulcich.
0: There uh, it is. Again. I was going to bring it up.
1: Just you know, if everyone's out, right? Judy's out. Like if he's there, Gasicki, that's not that fun, but. It's more fun if all the wide receivers are hurt. So that's just a game environment where it's, it's probably more for larger field stuff. But I could see, I could see it happening just because of how juicy this matchup is for the Broncos' offense.
2: I want to tag team this because I was thinking the same thing. Don't know how I'm going to play it just yet. I love Devontae Adams right now. We have him checking in around eight to ten percent. Uh, we'll see if that gets steamed at all. But Devontae Adams' single digit is is hot in this game. Um, but the top five offenses to end their drives with points last year were exactly who you thought. The Chiefs, Bills, Eagles, Lions, and the Raiders. Except those other four offenses finished top four, scoring a touchdown at the end of those drives, whereas the Raiders finished 10th because they were second overall in kicking field goals. Like, usually that type of scoring rate tends to regress year to year. They were 26 in red zone touchdown rate. And so we know their offense was good last year based on those stats. They just couldn't punch it in. And so if that's the case – We now have like Devontae Adams here sending it single digit ownership after he was one of only two wide receivers, Tyreek Hill being the other, who accounted for 30% of his team's targets. Even with the quarterback change, like Adams is a player, if we think this is going to be a higher scoring environment that I absolutely want to get on. So yes, I agree. I don't know how to play it just yet. Maybe it is Mims, maybe it's Cortland Sutton. Either way though, I love Adams in this game environment.
0: Uh, Devonta Adams within $300 of both Tyreek Hill and Jamar Chase, uh, Keenan Allen, also just $300 below Adams in a game that people are going to be trying to find ways to get unique. I can see Adams coming in at like three or 4%. Again, I have, I'm not running my first run of ownership till tomorrow, um, but I could easily see Adams sub 5% this week. Um,
2: I'd have to, I'd have to play him. I'd have to die for all of us.
0: Um, a, another player within $300 of Adams. I'm sorry, Keenan Allen's within $600 of Adams. But another player within $300 of Adams is A.J. Brown. And not a lot of people are talking about the Eagles this week, at least not yet. Daigle.
2: Buddy, uh, I, I'm so <laughs> excited about this game because it just seems like regression for everyone happening the moment the gates open. Uh, Eagles played at the fastest place in the, pace in the NFL in the first half of games last year. Also averaged 70 and a half pass attempts per game in the first half. Then the second half came around, and they trailed for elite, the lowest rate of plays in the league and averaged only and 11.5 passer tens per game in the, second, in, the, in the final two quarters because they played the league's easiest schedule. They just padded leads and ran the ball in the second half. We haven't seen the Eagles been pushed. We haven't seen Jalen Hurts ceiling. And now we think we're going to get that because the Patriots last year, if you just look at the raw stats, third in EPA on defense. But no one will tell you that they went eight and zero against rookies and backup quarterbacks, and averaged allowed just ten points per game against those spare players. Whereas any time they played, even a relevant starter, so the other seventeen, the other I'm doing math in my head right now, ten games, nine games in their schedule, they allowed twenty nine points per game, uh, which would have been a league high mark. Also so bad. If you look at Lamar Jackson, Justin Fields, the rushing quarterbacks they played last year, just allowed them to run all over them. So I think we get a Jalen hurt ceiling performance and given the changes that happen for the Patriots offense, that's where I think we get a lot of points scored in this total overall. Uh, last year, Think about how long Belichick has coached the Patriots, 22 seasons. And that was his first time last year that they averaged less than 61 plays per game. And they averaged only 59. Not to mention, if you say the Patriots don't have a ceiling with Mac Jones, you're wrong. Because we're only one year removed from that offense finishing ninth and seventh and points and yards per drive with Mac Jones as a rookie. So given Bill Bryan now under center and what we believe is a concerted target tree, like we're looking at only three, four guys here. Like the confident ones really are Ramondre Stevenson, Devontae Parker, and Hunter Henry, not even including Judas Smith-Schuster. So I think we can actually whittle this down to maybe one or two players we really like on the Patriots for their ceiling outcome and double stack a home target tree from Jalen Hurts. And that just seems like such an awesome thing to do with all checking in below 10%.
0: Yeah, we already talked about um, Lamar Jackson in that early game. Uh, we know that probably uh, Sam Howell is going to be the cheap quarterback. The quarterbacks in the Chargers and Dolphins game are going to draw some ownership. Like, there's only so much ownership to go around. Throw Joe Burrow in there. I mean, Jalen Hurts might just be the sixth, seventh highest owned quarterback on the slate. Um, on a slate where we don't have Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, um, that seems pretty egregious. Uh, the one it spot does. that I, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. No, it um, does. I,
1: I'm excited yeah. to play Hertz now. Uh,
0: the the one spot that I'm I'm looking at. I mean, everybody's talking about uh, the Cardinals and the Texans being the two worst teams in the league. I mean, the team that is the most in shambles right now is the Indianapolis Colts. Um, I, I think they have a chance to have one of the worst records in the league. I know there's a ton of hype around Anthony Richardson and his fantasy outlook. um, But on both sides of the ball, I I think their team is pretty bad, especially on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of models because of Richardson's rushing ability are going to show Uh, Anthony Richardson popping is one of the best values of the week. The Jaguars are the team that's favored. The Jaguars are the quarterback that has a chance to step into the elite ranks. He has a fantastic – Trevor Lawrence has a fantastic pass-catching core um, with Calvin Ridley healthy. Jaguars – are going to go overlooked this week, especially playing the same time as Lamar. Uh, I think Anthony Richardson could be higher owned than Trevor Lawrence. I'm all over the Jaguars passing game. Don't know how I'm going to stack them yet. Um, Obviously, Calvin Ridley is a guy that everybody's excited about. Um, I think you could throw out some Trevor Lawrence doubles this week, but uh, I I love the Jags. You guys have any thoughts on this one?
1: I like that thought. I mean, I think Ridley's been – very expensive in the preseason stuff. And there's so much optimism that he is going to be this, you know, massive target earner, but, you know, is he really the guy from two years ago? If he is though, I think he's going to smash in this spot. This does strike me as one of those, those teams where you would want to play, you know, even if they blow out their opponent, they could still put up a lot through the air and, you know, The Colts, I don't think, are going to be pushing the Jaguars, but the Jaguars, especially as Lawrence takes another step forward this year, I think are going to lean on their passing game as as the real engine of their offense. So if they're putting up a bunch of points in this game, I do think most of them come through the air.
2: I was trying to backwards engineer it, but I get your point, TJ. Like I was trying to go the rushing quarterback because – Like, the reports are Shane Steichen has been pulling plays out of high school and collegiate playbooks. (laughs) Like, they're going to run the annexation of Puerto Rico on Sunday, and no one will be shocked at all. And so if we're going to get, like, a 15-carry quarterback here at his salary, then Anthony Richardson makes sense. But your point is Trevor Lawrence has also the passing ceiling, which we don't think Anthony Richardson has, um, maybe even this year, not let alone week one. Thus, he's the guy with a rushing floor that we feel confident double stacking. I think the only way I can get back to – running it back on the other side for Indy is hoping Zach Moss is ruled out. Zach Moss limited practice on Wednesday because at least we know in the four games, Deion Jackson logged over 40% of snaps for the Colts last year. He reached a double digit target share in all of them. He averaged 15 and a half percent of the team's targets. So at least like that'd be a sneaky way to get some pass catching upside. Even if that means Anthony Richardson dumping it off a lot as Trevor Lawrence is just shoving it down their throats from Chris Kirk and Calvin Ridley.
1: I do worry about Jackson though with, Richardson like I don't know about my PPR play with this running back who's going to be doing high school running plays like uh, it's just tough for me to see how he gets there on volume and then you know they're not going to be very efficient obviously
2: do you have a receiver if you played that stack that you would play it with them
0: on the Colts side yeah I'm not playing a Colts. <laughs> yeah I don't think I'm Anthony playing. <laughs> okay, including okay, Anthony fair. Richardson uh-huh totally
2: because even um, like we're gonna be missing Jelani Woods, but even then, like I don't don't make me pick no, Mo Ali Cox me, or Colin Yeah, and
0: I, I, I've to, to to be fair, I've been on the fade Anthony Richardson preseason train, so I'm probably gonna get smoked there in season long in ball, but uh, might as well just ride that prior out in week one.
1: I'm I'm in on Anthony Richardson uh, from you know the season long perspective, but I don't, you know, if if you're gonna get a chance to take a lower owned guy who's probably going to score score more points you know his offense is going to score more points for sure uh i'm i'm definitely more interested in the the lawrence side alec pierce is someone i've been mixing in in best ball but i don't know if i would want to go there in dfs in best ball i have the whole season for him to exactly yeah it's hard hard
0: to touch an alec pierce when you got access to every player um exactly in the league on the slate uh before we get into our favorite plays at each position uh week one is in theory, the softest week of the year, uh, definitely have uh, the craziest pricing of the year should have the, the biggest and softest player pool um, Any general thoughts on, on the slate or just playing week one in general, Daigle.
2: I think I kind of hidden on it at the top of the show where, we are definitely looking at more cumulative ownership this week since prices are the softest they'll ever be since they were laid out a month ago. Um, so just be more willing whenever you're looking at, whether you're looking at the solver with us or you're looking at our articles on the site Friday, Saturday morning, um, just be willing to eat more chalk this week and then try to bounce back with probably two or three plays roughly in the you know 5 to 10% range is what I'm looking at um, just for week one.
0: Crane, how are you approaching week one? Yeah, I would say in general, like you
1: want to – like we've spent months and months and months like kind of figuring out what we think is going to happen and and ultimately feeling very strongly that the season is going to play out in certain ways for certain teams. But like that can be correct, and week one can still look different than that, right? Like I don't have much Alexander Madison at all in in best ball or managed – But like, that's because I don't think his whole season is going to turn out very well for where he was priced in those drafts. It has nothing to do really with week one. And so being able to go, you know what, zooming out, week one, Madison seems kind of interesting. Joe Mixon in week one seems kind of interesting. Those are guys I'm not really on a season long. But I think not letting your season long takes dictate who you play in week one is important. I'm going to be interested in in both those guys, actually.
0: Yeah, just piggybacking off what you guys said. Um, I mean, we DFS and, and football in general. There's so much information overload. There's so um, it's so hard to find an edge that that everyone else isn't aware of. In week one, we're going to get the most wrong, um, whether it be about um, player volume, uh, ownership, all of those things. So lean into the variance of week one if you have. Uh, some some spots that you're very confident in, and it's going against the grain. Uh, that's probably an edge. Um, even if even if you aren't hearing anybody else, even if you aren't hearing us talking about it, um, lean into that in week one. It's the best best time uh, to do it. And then just from a macro DFS perspective, like this is a humongous slate. It's rare we're going to get slates this big uh, throughout the season. Uh, a lot of chalk in the late window. Take evangelate swap. It's always going to be the biggest um, advantage in DFS. And, and if you don't want to play multiple slates, I, I talked about this on last week's pod. I talk about it all the time. When we have these big, especially the early only slates, um, you're going to get some some really good opportunities to play some players that you just aren't going to get to on the full slate. And I think this is a great week to do it with so much ownership, probably going to that uh, Miami LA game, uh, play an early only slate, and you'll get to um, uh, play some plays that you you wouldn't otherwise. Uh, getting into our favorite picks of the week. I want to start with Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. You can go to prizepickscom DFSVP and use the code DFSVP for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. We've been playing Prize Picks already. It's really great getting in on Prize Picks early in the week because we can compare those uh, projections to four for four projections and find a really big edge. If you logged into Prize Picks today, you'll notice that they have Dak Prescott at 0.5 passing yards, so we could take more Dak Prescott passing yards. We saw Desmond Ritter projecting for 200 and a half passing yards on prize picks. We have not projected well below that on 4 for 4, one of the biggest passing uh, – rushing offenses in the league for the Falcons. So less than 200 passing yards for Desmond Ritter and Stefan Diggs at 69 and a half receiving yards on prize picks for four is projecting Stefan Diggs near hundred yards. So that looks like one of the biggest, biggest edges of the week taking Stefan Diggs for more than 69 and a half passing yards with those three picks. You can five X your money. We threw in a $20 uh, on, we threw in $20 pick on that for that three player pick them. So don't forget, Go to prizepicks.com slash DFS Use the code DFS for a deposit match up to $100. Price picks is daily fantasy sports made easy.
2: If you don't want to Go wait ahead. till Sunday, though, just know I would pop in that Dak, Pres- Dak Prescott over a half passing yard bonus with David Montgomery over 52 rushing yards. Uh, The secret to Chris Jones, everyone looks at his pass-rushing prowess, but last year the Chiefs were above average in run-stopping whenever Chris Jones is on the field. And that month that he was absent, they went to bottom five uh, in yards per carry allowed to opposing running backs. So I think it's actually going to be a a big David Montgomery week, quietly, for the Lions.
0: We got Matt Savoca on Showdown. Showdown ownership coming up tomorrow with his uh, Showdown article. But, uh, yeah, David Montgomery grinding that game into – points oblivion with no possibly no travis kelsey um yeah i i like that call a lot uh going back to old school dfs mvp style we're gonna go through each position talk about our favorite plays at each position uh we'll go a little bit rapid fire here i'll let pat and daigle give their favorite plays from any angle angle they like, whether it be value or a GPP angle. I will talk about my favorite cash game plays at each position. Uh, Pat, what quarterback do you like this week?
1: Unfortunately, it's Deshaun Watson. I I think it's just kind of, um, you know, you get that game environment that could be really good, but it's not going to be the one everyone wants to go to. You're going to have an offense that's going to be able to push him on the other side. Uh, you're going to, ha- you have, I think, an offense that needs to sh- like prove that they can be built around the pass. Um, these coaches, I think, are going to be really motivated uh, not to kind of be the Browns of old. And as we talked about, there are some kind of obvious stacking partners with more probably being the chalky one. We can pivot away from that, uh, go to Njoku, get tight end taken care of, go to Amari Cooper. So there's just kind of a really easy like, natural double stack candidate with good bring backs. You have to eat a little bit of chalk on the bring back side, but you're getting away from the much chalkier uh, chargers game. So uh, does strike me as one that's probably going to come in a bit less owned than than it should be. So I'm definitely going to be doing this in uh, some of my small field stuff.
0: Yeah, me and you are going to have fun. You're going to be riding that game. I'm going to be riding the Jaguars. And then we're both just going to have to watch all of the Dolphins and Chargers just start passing us (laughs) on the leaderboard (laughs) on the late slate. The best way to play DFS is to get that uh, early morning screenshot and just have it disappear to no cash. I'm so excited about it. Uh, Daigle, tell me why I'm absolutely wrong about the Colts and Anthony Richardson.
2: I don't know if you're wrong, and I'm still trying to figure out how to play it, but I do think Anthony Richardson is somewhat unique on this slate. Uh, The reason I would fade him is not because I don't think he's going to have 12 carries. I think he's going to have a ton of carries here, and even having him naked in lineups would be fine, honestly. It'd be enough to get me by and then just pay up for everyone else. The issue is why I may or may not play him is because we don't need the salary savings. That's just it. So whether I go to Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson – Uh, Jalen hurts. Even I I may not even need a pay down to that 5k range for Anthony Richardson. That would be the reason I don't play him. I just want to put him on everyone's radar uh, because I, I do think him being naked is like totally fine in my lineups.
0: Yeah, uh, for me, Sam Howell and Cash, especially on DK, down at 4900 FanDuel usually fits a little bit better to, to pay up for quarterbacks a little bit easier, so Lamar Jackson makes sense there. But Sam Howell down at 4900 on DK gets Arizona favored by 7. Um, I'm trying to get uh, the moniker Rich Trubisky going for Sam Howell, but hasn't caught on yet, so uh, if you guys could pump that up, that'd be great. He's our top 4-for-4 four four value on DraftKings, and he's one of five quarterbacks on the main slate that 4-for-4 four four is projecting for at least 30 rush yards, but three of those other quarterbacks are high priced guys um so uh the only really two uh Russian quarterbacks we're getting value on are sam howell and anthony richardson but you're getting uh sam howell for uh seven hundred dollars less than richardson so uh he'll probably be my cash game quarterback there at running back um, a game we haven't talked about much um and i think again that's a pretty interesting spot dagle tell us your running back
2: you know i came into the week thinking like Maybe I can squeeze Tannehill into a million maker lineup. I still might, by the way, because I think the target share will be concerted between DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks. But either way, with Kendry Miller, questionable to doubtful, DMP on Wednesday, there's nowhere for running back touches to go with Alvin Kamara suspended than Jamal Williams. And that's why when everyone, like you hear other shows, and they talk about, oh, play J.K. Dobbins no matter what. Like we talked about it with bigger picture context because – where are you fitting J.K. Dobbins? Like if 25% of the field is playing J.K. Dobbins, what else do we do with Austin Eckler, Jamal Williams? Like these cash game plays, honestly. Um, and they're more beyond that. So Jamal Williams, 25 touch running back, if Kendrick Miller's rolled out, because all that's behind him on the active roster is literally Kirk Merritt, who no one could pick out of a lineup. So yes, play Jamal Williams in a favorable game script indoors.
0: Yeah, surprised Jamal Williams um, isn't getting more attention. I think once people, especially when people start building cash lineups, I think they'll see that Jamal it's actually fits in quite, yeah. quite nicely to there. So I think he can end up being popular. Um, our boy Brian over at BetSports was asking about this game earlier. If Jamal does get popular, I actually do like Chris Olave as a pivot um, against a Tennessee defense that was a pass funnel last year. But Jamal, I think, is going to end up being a cash game play uh, by Sunday.
2: Fun ambiguity. From Tennessee's offense, too, because maybe this is Mike variable trickle down and nothing matters. Like they're still not going to pump it into gear. But they did fire Todd Downing from last, last year's OC and hired Tim Kelly. Last year's offense finished dead last in pace and 29th in pass play rate from neutral game script. Again, maybe it's just a bike revival offense, but also adding DeAndre Hopkins to the mix and having a new OC could lead to something different, could lead to more fun indoors. So either way, I would play Jamal Williams.
0: Uh, Pat, your running back, I think, is the probably the best team pivot um, on the slate.
1: Yeah, Raheem Mostert, we, we talked about it earlier, but I do like when I can get into these game environments that everyone else wants to be involved in because they're fun, high-scoring, good game environments that we should be targeting. But I can get there with a player that, people don't seem to be that interested in playing and and Moster, maybe he gets steamy, but he, the early stuff is, he seems like he's coming in pretty low. So um, I would be one where if he looks like he's going to catch its on ownership, I'll, I'll find another play, but n- nice pivot for, for where we're sitting right here.
2: I, I kind of think most is like, the better playing a vacuum over J.K. Dobbins, anyways. Like, doesn't Moster have more pass catching equity? He was being used as the team's third down back in training camp even before Jeff Wilson got injured.
1: Yeah, and I mean, like everything you would say about Moster, like why you wouldn't want to play him, is you know I think a relevant you know, week one year old coming off a knee injury, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or not knee injury, but has dealt with knee injuries over the course of his career. But it's week one. Is, like this he is, he is the, the week.
2: healthiest. <laughs> He's the healthiest he will be all year right now. We
0: we can confidently yes. say that.
1: <laughs> and a chain is at the least threatening that he will be will be all this year. week. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I'm riding Alexander Madison 7,300 6, Fanduel sixty five hundred DK. Uh, as Daigle just talked about, I, I think he's more cash viable than Dobbins at basically the same salary. Uh, I, I think people probably end up playing mix, mixing over him in cash. I think if you play both of them together, just kind of depends on if you feel like you have to have Eckler in your lineup or not. Uh, but I will be having Madison in quite a bit of my lineups. And if he ends up being a uh, uh, relatively lone, he might be my most popular um, tournament play of the week. We'll kind of see how ownership plays out there. Uh, we talked about this wide receiver already, and, and this is actually Pat's favorite wide receiver of the week, even though Daigle loved him earlier.
1: Yeah. Devonte Adams. Um, but, you know for all the reasons Daigle said, like you're getting a chance to get Devonte Adams. It's super low ownership on a slate where we are gonna need some wide receiver points. We're gonna, you know, we've got the elite wide receivers that are gonna be popular and good spots. And you know, yeah, I guess Tyreek Hill could fail, but I don't think he's gonna bomb. So like, who can I match? Who's got a ceiling that's gonna come in low owned that can actually surpass what Tyreek Hill can do? And like Devontae Adams did this last year. You know, we were pretty doubt. There were a lot of doubters that he would be the same Devontae Adams when he played with Derek Carr instead of Aaron Rodgers. He had 2.5, 2.45 yards per route run, uh, which is awesome. Anything over two is is really strong and he hasn't had a yards per route run below two since 2017. <laughs> like, like he's, he's amazing. And he had, he showed no signs of falling off last year. I understand that Jimmy Garoppolo could be an issue, but like, the, the market is basically going to pay me to like, go find out if Jimmy Garoppolo can ruin Devontae Adams. And I'm willing to go find out.
0: Yeah. Um, as Daigle talked about earlier, as we talked about with the possible ownership percentage on there, I, I think that's one that we're gonna have to think about um, quite a bit, especially if a, a player at basically the same salary is going to be a uh, 30% owned um, going into week one. There are a lot of rookie wide receivers that are viable, that are really good spots. Uh, Dagle, tell me one that no one's talking about.
2: I kind of hope Christian Watson, who was DMP on Wednesday, plays because I'm still willing to play Jaden Reed over the field. Uh the target tree in Green Bay is ambiguous. Let's start there. We now have Jordan Love, no more Aaron Rodgers. We have no idea how this thing is going to shake out. But we do know Jaden Reed not only higher draft capital, number 50 overall pick compared to Romeo Dobbs, fourth rounder, but also Jaden Reed and four seasons across Western Michigan and Michigan State, at least a 20% target share in all four seasons. All the guy does is play bigger than his size and earn targets. In the preseason, they were using him on jet sweeps, just like he received 20 carries in college, and on concerted targets, as well as getting him involved downfield. So Marvin Mims, you, you're about to discuss, in his amazing play. Marvin Mims is also going to come in two or three X Jaden Reed's ownership. And of course the Packers are playing what was a league. The league's worst defense allowed a league high points per game. The bears did when they traded Roquan Smith over the second half of the year. So I think it's a, it's a great spot for Jaden Reed.
0: Yeah, as long as Jerry Judy is out in this game, I mean, Marvin Mims is probably going to be um, a pretty clear cash game play for all of us, especially on DraftKings. If you're trying to do something like fit Justin Jefferson and Austin Eckler together, uh, combos like Marvin Mims and Sam Howell are going to let you do that. Raiders were just one of the worst defenses across the board last year, as Kareem mentioned earlier. We currently have Mims as a top three wide receiver value on DraftKings at 4 for 4. He's our best sub 5K wide receiver value on Fan so he is the salary saver in cash games um in tournaments yeah he, he will get steamed he'll probably be uh top top five ownership like daigle said so uh keep that in mind
1: there if if watson doesn't play do you think that reed can kind of shift some of that ownership away from Mims, or do you guys see Mims just being the clear play for people
0: i don't think people touch green bay much this week regardless i
2: need I need, I don't think so either. I need to play around. I think maybe it goes
0: to my, I think maybe it goes to, to my tight end play if it happens.
2: I need to play around with it and see what people can afford. If they go both Mims and Reed, that's kind of the question is, does it, then it does, does it lead to an obvious stack? Like just overblowing on chargers and dolphins. Does it make it that much easier since everyone's cheap? Um, I think that's kind of the question we're waiting for
0: um we talked about uh cooper cup being out daigle uh your favorite tight end of the week
2: uh last year with cooper cup off the field tyler higby led the team with a 24.7 percent target share sometimes it's that simple he won't get yards after the catch but doesn't matter when you get 20 ppr points because you have 20 catches for 21 yards so uh tyler higby if you're going to spend up a tight end this week pretty much the highest floor of anyone
0: uh, we didn't bring up the uh, Raiders Broncos game as one listed it ended up being, it ends up being uh, one of the games we've talked about the most on here. So pets, I well, we're
1: on it. Yeah, we're on it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Dulcich. I think Dulcich is, is pretty interesting again. Like they've talked about it in kind of this joker role. And I'm wondering if he can maybe be kind of like Jared cook was for the saints where he didn't run all the routes, but was like clearly out there to stretch the field and be kind of a big wide receiver it's um, like down the seam, that kind of stuff. Uh, I thought Dulcich had a pretty good rookie season. I thought it was a good prospect. I've obviously been disappointed that he looks like he's going to be in a part-time role, but that part-time role could be more extensive this week than it ends up being for much of the rest of the year, just given the the injuries to the wide receivers. Um, so I think if you're going to play Dulcich ever, this this would be the week.
2: And it's the part-time role we want. Like, it's a part-time pass catcher. Good. Get out there on third down. That's all I care about. You're running routes.
0: Yeah, 5,300 Fandle, 4K on DraftKings again, kind of in that salary range that I don't think a ton of people uh, will touch, especially because we kind of talked about that Packers game. I think one of the biggest cash game plays of the week, especially on draft Kings could be Luke Musgrave, especially if Christian Watson is out um, at 2,900 on DK 4,500 Fandle. We just don't really have an obvious punt um, on DraftKings. Kings um, on Fandle. You probably don't have to go this far in cash, but punting tight end in draft Kings cash is something that we love to do. Uh, we have them as a top two value on DraftKings at four for four. Yeah. Um, I mean, Pat, uh, who's your defense?
1: So this defense, I don't even love, but I think it's, it's nice because of the the pricing on DK lets you do just a straight pivot from the commanders. So if you're, you're building a team and you're like, Hey, look, the commanders fit. I I guess I'm just going to eat the 35% chalk and and play. Don't just play the Packers. Okay. It's not nearly as fun, but Justin or uh, Justin Fields is going to, take sacks right they might throw a little bit more which is good we want passive attempts against our defense um and so and but the big thing is they're they're a fine it's totally fine option and you can you can play them instead of the commanders i just would not be uh fitting the commanders in, even if even if you're like oh the salary is perfect
0: yeah I like i like that call a lot love the pivot um uh packers are underdogs, but it's only a one and a half point, um, spread. And and I think it's fine. Those slight underdogs are always pretty, pretty decent plays. Uh, Daigle.
2: Pat already hinted at it, but I think I would play the Seahawks defense and pay up for them. Given the offensive line issues, the Rams are also going through, uh, just lost one of their starting offensive linemen about a week ago too. So lots of things going on, especially without Cooper cup, this offense, we expect to be dropping back and passing often, so at least we have a high sack floor, we think, for Seattle's defense. Maybe get some more picks as well. And a quick bonus, if you're not going to play the Colts, TJ, I do think the Jaguars are kind of sneaky live that everyone's going to go overlooked. Um, not only, again, a sack-based floor here with Anthony Richardson as a rushing quarterback, but also like only nine dropbacks in the preseason. But we we're all worried about Anthony Richardson transitioning. Like, How long is it going to take him just to learn football? Only 455 career dropbacks in college. He just needs to play more. I'm not saying he's going to be a bad player. He just has to get more reps. And, like, on nine dropbacks in the preseason, that dude went one of eight for eight yards and a pick under pressure. He completed 14% of his passes. So, like, there's a lot that can go wrong for the Colts offense. So, Jaguars defense, absolutely live.
0: One of my biggest weaknesses is I get more happy when my fades fail than when my flag plants hit. So I'm happy to hear you say all that because I, I, I love to see uh, the torture and, and I'm all over the Jaguars this week. Um, If you've been paying any attention, you know the cash game uh, defense of the week is going to be the commanders, especially on DraftKings down at um, 2,900 as a seven-point favorite against arguably the worst team in the league. So, yeah, in cash games, um, you know, just play them. We're not worried about ownership in cash games. Play the commanders, but uh, know that they're going to be everywhere in tournaments. All right, boys, that uh that does it for the week one DFS MVP podcast. Again, just a reminder: the show is earlier than usual because these dudes are about to go make all the money in Vegas for the uh week two and the rest of the season. We will be back here on Fridays at 6 p.m. Eastern time. If you are listening on your favorite podcast platform, please give us a five-star rating or review. It is the easiest way to support what we do. If you're watching on YouTube, Please like, please subscribe, uh, and check out the links in the description for a hiccup on DFS subscriptions, 25% off with the promo code uh, YouTube. And once you sign up for that, make sure you upgrade to that solver package. It takes the 4 for 4 DFS projections to another level. Uh, we're really excited to be partnering with them. So make sure you click on that link. Pat over at Legendary Upside, rocking it hard over there. Remind everyone what you got going on.
1: Yeah, LegendaryUpside.com. Um, if you sign up, I still have some uh, fifty dollar underdog credits for people who sign up for the yearly uh, subscription over there, um, and a lot of a lot of really strong uh, preseason content, best ball rankings, all of that. But the in season coverage will be there for you every week as well, doing this game by game preview called the walkthrough.
0: Follow us all on X slash Twitter. Pat is at pat corain. Legendary Upside at legendary upside. John Daigle at not J Daigle four for four is at four for four football. I'm at T J Hernandez. We'll talk to you guys Sunday morning in the
1: discord.